Good morning, New Life. Pastor Chris is on vacation with his family this week, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to fill in uh, for him today. Anybody watch any basketball last night? <laughs> I'm one of these kind of weird people in that I usually pull for UNC, um, but then at the end of the season, whoever makes it to the end, I'm going to pull for them if they're from North Carolina. So, uh, great game last night. Today is a very special day because today is mine and Ann's 40th wedding anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> That was a lot of hair ago, and this is a lot of hair let go. <laughs> but when we got married, I was Mr. Wright, and now she is Mrs. Always Wright. Right after we were engaged, this guy walked up to me and um, I want you to see this picture of my beautiful bride. He, um, this guy walked up to me, and I mean, he looked like a model out of GQ magazine. And uh, he said, so, let me get this right. You are engaged to Ann Wisdom? And I said, yeah, can you believe it? And he just shook his head and turned around and walked away. And I was just thinking, I am so glad I got to her first. <laughs> now, Ann does not like attention to be brought to her, but uh, I do. And so, I want to share with you why she is so special to me. When we first came together, I was just flying in the wind without a care in the world. And in some ways, she was carrying the whole world on her shoulders. A little girl growing up in a family that did not know how to show love, she would go into the kitchen at night in the dark and sit on a little stool and lean against the dishwasher just to feel something warm and rhythmic as an escape from a very harsh world. And we are so grateful to be together. I'm amazed at the sacrifices she has made to love me and, and to hang in there with me through all these years. And she has sacrificially uh, raised our children, never backing down from any challenge, but like a fireman running into the fires of their lives. And now she brings that sacrificial love to our grandchildren. And there's just simply no price too great for her to pay for them. It just hit me a while back. There's no one on earth that would love them like she will. In addition to all of this, God has used her greatly in ministry. During her 13 years in working with the Billy Graham ministry, she was able to open up over 40 TV telephone centers across the nation and trained those workers, and those workers have now uh, received and ministered to over a half a million people in the phone calls that have come in. Over 100,000 people have prayed to receive Christ in these TV telephone centers. We have one right here at New Life, and uh, this last year we went over 600 people that have prayed to receive Christ through this little five-phone phone center that that Ann established here at New Life, and it's continuing on. We need phone workers, so if you're interested, it's the easiest evangelism you'll ever do because they're calling you. And so I'm so grateful for that. Now as she's working for Freedom in Christ, 
and her Bible study, the Contagious Victory Guide, is spreading out all over the place. And I'm just so grateful for Rich and Shirley and for your leadership in that ministry. The truths that, that, that I'm sharing with you this morning are just uh, embedded even deeper through the Freedom in Christ ministry. So thank you, baby, for not giving up on me, for hanging in there. The best is yet to come, although she said for me not to expect another 40 years. <laughs> now, in celebration of our 40th wedding anniversary, I want to bring a message today entitled, Building a Gospel-Centered Marriage. I thought about having a 40-point message, but that would take till 2 o'clock this afternoon, so I won't do that. But the gospel is the reason that we are still together today, and it gives us power to move forward. Now, one disclaimer is that I realize that many of you are not married. Um, the percentage of single adults is growing uh, in our nation now. It stands at over 45% of the adult population. Uh, Jesus was a single adult. And so I, I just want to say that these truths that we're going to look at are also applicable for, for whatever relationships we might be involved in. And if you do have the hope of being married someday, I hope that this will be a guide and an encouragement to you because the gospel is how we tap into the supernatural power of God to live our lives the way He created them to be lived, especially in marriage. So let's look at, into this great gospel and apply it to marriage. Colossians 1.15 He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. My good friend Ronnie Stevens just published a devotional guide called The Path to Discipleship from the first 11 chapters of the book of John. And in it, he said, the universe is not the accidental collision of primeval forces. The cosmos is the expression of the divine intelligence. We are not the relics of an explosion lately cooled, but we are the objects of a love intensely warm. We were intended. Now when Jesus in partnership with the Father and the Holy Spirit created the world, what we see here in this passage is that he did not only create the physical world, but it says here that he created all things both visible and invisible. Now what were those invisible things that he created? Well, it says he created these invisible things are thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. You see, every institution that we operate in was created by God, the foundation of the earth. The institutions of government, economics, business, education, finance, the church, relationships, every institution. So before we were ever created, God created the environments that we would live and operate and work in. Because he wanted to create that so that we would have a place to live and operate and work. You know, God didn't create the fish, and then say, now, you need to flop around on the ground for a while while I create some water for you to swim in. God didn't create man and then say, oh, Adam, hold your breath while I make some air for you to breathe. 
The very first institution God created was the institution of marriage. And when he created it, he established purposes and principles that are revealed in his word by which marriage could be carried out that would give a husband and a wife the deepest possible fulfillment. So the first gospel principle for marriage is that God's design for marriage is built into creation. When God created the world, at the end of each day, he said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then he said something strange. He said, it is not good because this man is alone. It says in Genesis 22, 18, And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It is not good that man should be alone. God created the institution of marriage to provide companionship for the man and the woman. We were not created to go through this life isolated from meaningful, deep relationships. One of the saddest things that I've ever seen was a single tombstone way, way back up in the mountains off of the Appalachian Trail. And I saw that tombstone and walked over and got in front of it, and it was there all by itself. And it said, Uncle Nick Grindstaff. Had the date of his birth, the date of his death. And then it said, lived alone, suffered alone, died alone. That was the loneliest moment of my life. We need companionship. And then God made the woman out of a rib. I recently heard someone say the reason women are strong is because they were made out of pure bone. <laughs> but imagine how God could take that and make something so soft and so beautiful. But then God establishes the principle of marriage when he says that a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now the Hebrew word for cleave or hold fast is a word that means to glue together. You glue two pieces of paper together and then when it dries, you're never going to get those two pieces of paper apart without just shredding them and ripping them. That's how strong it is. It was Gordon MacDonald who told a group of pastors at the Cove a number of years ago, he said, men, you need to understand something. You and your wife are the only ones who are really in this thing together. Everything else, everyone else will come and go. And then we see that God's plan for marriage is eternal. It is unchanging. It is upheld and it is reestablished 4,000 years later in the New Testament. It says in Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Now, it's no surprise that the institution of marriage is under assault in our world and in our nation today. We are seeing any and every expression of lifestyle besides this. 
Now, rather than name all of the arrangements that are wrong, I just want to lift this up as a standard and measure everything else by this. I'm not against anyone. I'm for a strong commitment to the institution of marriage because it is a foundational institution for any civilization. As marriage goes, so does a civilization. In his historic masterpiece, The Decline and the Fall of the Roman Empire, Edward Gibbons identifies five major causes that contributed to the fall of the Roman Empire. And the very first one was the breakdown of marriage and the family. The second one was, was um, increased taxation. The third one was an insatiable craving for pleasure. The fourth was an unsustainable buildup of armaments. And the fifth one was the decay of religion. Have we not learned anything from history? And then the Apostle Paul establishes how this marriage relationship is to be carried out for the best possible marriage. He says in Ephesians 5.31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, two shall become one flesh. And then he says this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now can you imagine God <clears throat> in this divine relationship between Jesus and his bride, the church, actually comparing it to a human relationship of the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. Now, this is the key to a successful marriage. It's simple. Love and respect. I didn't say it was easy, but I said it's simple. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. What did Christ do to show his love for the church? He was tortured in the worst way anyone can be tortured. He was impaled. He was hammered to a cross. So guys, is it too hard for you to take out the garbage? <laughs> is there any need that your wife might have that would be unreasonable for you to meet? Ladies, your husband's greatest need is respect. Now, you may not feel like he deserves your respect. But even, even if you can't respect all of his actions, you can re respect the position that God has given him in your life. And, and by the way, everyone's created in the image of God, so everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. James Dobson, the founder of Focus on the Family, said, I believe the key to the success of any marriage can be summed up in one word, respect. I respect my wife by asking her opinion. Even with simple things like what I do on my day off. Play golf, go fishing. I don't need to ask for permission. She's not my mama. But I do want to hear her opinion. I'm not henpecked. I'm just a, uh, I'm just a, <laughs> a considerate rooster. <laughs> I may be the head, but she's the neck that can turn it. But seriously, if every marriage was guided by the principle of, of husbands loving their wives sacrificially and wives respecting their husbands, I think it would, would, would resolve most of our conflicts very quickly. But now moving on, let's, let's look at the next principle of the gospel. Colossians 1.21 And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Here's the reality. We're all born into sin. 
We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all chosen to be independent from God and the purposes and principles that He has established on how to live life His way. In case you haven't noticed, Christianity is a countercultural movement in our culture today. We don't take our cues from the world around us. We're all born into this. And so this, this, our second reality is that our independence in marriage causes separation. <clears throat> when we choose a different lifestyle or a pattern of living than what God has set forth, we experience the reality of alienation and hostility, not only from God but from each other and in our marriages. We can so easily forget about those vows that we made on that wedding day when we said, I love you and I will cherish you in sickness and in health, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, Till death do us part. And we change those vows in our own hearts and minds to say, I love myself. I want you to make me happy. And if you don't, I'm going to split. Now because of the reality of sin, all of us are going to mess up in our marriages. That's why honesty is so important. God wants to use us as heavenly sandpaper in each other's lives. It's going to happen. And we need those times when we can sit down and just say, how am I doing? And we don't have to be defensive about it. We can genuinely listen with no defense. Look, the power of the cross, if you believe in it, it covers all of your sins, past, present, and future. Whatever your spouse points out to you is already under the blood of Jesus. So there, you don't have to defend your record. Your record has already been nailed to the cross. And so we don't have to be defensive. We can listen. And I can tell you this, the only proper response to our faults in marriage is brokenness, confession, and repentance. There is no other way to get past your conflicts. Someone has to take responsibility for themselves. You can go to every marriage counselor in the world, and if they don't tell you this, I can promise you, you're not going to resolve your problems. Four simple words can diffuse any conflict and put you on a path to healing. And it is the words genuinely, authentically said, I am so sorry. Husbands, newsflash. Your wife does not want you to solve her problems. She needs you to listen and show compassion and take responsibility for your faults and to ask for forgiveness. I read this past week about a man who... Um, he came home and his, his wife had just come home. and She was just absolutely exhausted and frustrated as she shared with him how overwhelmed she was with all that she was having to do with her work and the house and taking care of the kids and all of that. And he just kind of slipped out and, and, and went to another room. And a little while he came back and he had a piece of paper in his hand. He said, honey, I went back there and I was, I was praying for you. And I think God showed me some things that will help you be better organized. <laughs> and he had a list of ten things that she could do to be better organized in, in her time management. <laughs> now you can imagine what she did with that list. I mean, she ripped that list into shreds, and as she walked out of the room, she threw it in his face and said, and God did not give you that list. <laughs> so much for hearing from a word from God. <laughs> she needed compassion, not instruction. 
Brokenness, confession, repentance is the starting point to resolve conflict. But then next we see where the power comes from for healing. Colossians 1.22 And he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The power of the cross really provides forgiveness and restores us to a place of healing. Not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationships with each other. And so our next truth is that the death of Christ for marriage brings reconciliation. Did you know that Jesus died for your marriage? He died to restore us in our relationship with God, but also to restore us in our relationships with each other. The starting point is the reality of my own forgiveness. The cross is supernatural in its power to provide forgiveness and pardon for the penalty of sin. Now here's the big idea. If God is willing to be reconciled to us for all of the sin that we've committed, and you think about how many sins you've committed. You know, if you only committed three sins a day, you'd be practically a walking angel. But that's, that's a thou, over a thousand sins a year to your account. And if you live to be 80 years old, uh, 80,000 80, sins. And God is willing to be reconciled to you and forgive every one of those. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. If he's willing to do that, how in the world could we refuse to be reconciled to each other in our marriages for the few things that we've done to hurt each other? It's hypocritical for me to accept God's forgiveness and not extend it to my spouse. Unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and then hoping the rat will die. It doesn't hurt the rat at all. It just eats us up on the inside. The giving and receiving of forgiveness is the only way we can be reconciled to each other. I can choose to forgive my spouse by faith, even if I don't feel like it, and even if they don't ask for it. Because forgiveness releases me from the place people have in my mind and it takes away my bitterness and my resentment. And then once we're healed and reconciled and restored, then the power of the resurrection gives us the presence and power of the Spirit of Christ in us to actually live out God's principles for having a successful marriage. It says in Colossians 2.12, Having been buried with him in baptism which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now it says here that the powerful working of God is where we get this resurrection power. It's amazing. And so we see this next step of building a gospel-centered marriage and it is that the resurrection of Christ for marriage empowers dedication. It gives us the power. You see, Jesus didn't just die for your marriage, but he was resurrected for your marriage. When Ann and I came to a crisis in our marriage, I honestly didn't have a lot to hold on to. The romance was gone. Lots of arguing. There were some respites. Sometimes even humor. One time we got into a big argument. Um, in our bedroom and you might think pastors marriages are different than anyone else's but we have the same kind of conversations that you have we got into this big argument and Ann turned around and stormed out of the room 
slam the door and walk down the hallway. And I'm standing there, I'm thinking, I'm not going to let her get away with this. I'm going back in there and I'm going to give her a piece of my mind that I can't afford to lose. <laughs> so I started for the door. I was mad. And I reached down to grab the doorknob and halfway down the hall, she had the same thought that I did. I'm not going to stop this. So she came back and just as I reached for the doorknob, she pushed the door open, hit me right in the middle of the head, <laughs> knocked me halfway back across the room. I'm laying there on the floor. And she just covered her mouth and started laughing. And I started laughing. And I think pretty soon we forgot what we were even arguing about. But what I discovered in the middle of all of that was the only thing I had to hold on to was the fact that I'd made a commitment. And God says in Ecclesiastes, it's better to not make a vow before God than to make one and break it. And I just felt like my back was against the wall. I had to work through this. But it was my commitment and my dedication to fulfill those vows that just kept me in the saddle. But it takes a supernatural power to allow us to keep our commitment to our marriage vows. The new life that Jesus received when he was raised from the dead has now been imparted to you and to me if you believe it and if you're trusting in it. I'm a new creation with the Spirit of Christ in me to empower me to keep the commitments that I've made to my wife. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Paul didn't have any more access to the power of God than you and I do. But he understood a principle. The reason he could say that wasn't because of his strength, but it's because he knew that he was trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power of God to empower him to, make, to, to carry out what God was calling him to do. And the reason that he could say that is because he wasn't dependent on his power. So I can do everything God is calling me to, and you can do everything God's calling you to do. There's nothing he would ask you to do that you can't do because we're not trying to do it in our own strength. Just an example. You know, Peter tells husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. <laughs> now, who can do that? You know, it was Sigmund Freud who once said to Marie Bonaparte, she said, the great question that has never been answered and which I have not yet been able to answer despite my 30 years of research into the feminine soul is, what does a woman want? But the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in me can answer that question and empower me to live with my wife in an understanding way and to be able to meet her needs. And maybe you're thinking right now about what you need to do to resolve the challenges you're facing in your marriage. And you're thinking, I can't do it. It's too hard. I just, I just can't do it. There's no way. And you know what? You're exactly right. You can't. But Jesus and the resurrection power, the Holy Spirit that has been infused deep into your soul. He will give you the power to do what you cannot do in your own strength. And then lastly, this next verse shows us how we can gain access into this supernatural power of the gospel. Colossians 1.23 If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed 
in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now what we see here is that the key is faith. There are a lot of things that Dr. Robert Schuler, pastor of the Crystal Cathedral, said that I didn't agree with, but there's one thing that he said that I do agree with. He said, the deepest need that we all have is for faith. Do we believe? Do we have the conviction? And what we see here is this faith is the key to unlocking the power of the Holy Spirit in our marriages and in all of our relationships. So finally, we see that the appropriation of power in marriage is conviction. We need a conviction of faith that the things that the Scripture says about the gospel really are true. We can count on them. That God's design for marriage is the best plan for this sacred relationship. The reality of my sin must be acknowledged with brokenness and confession and repentance. I do believe that what Jesus did on the cross was sufficient to forgive my sin and to allow me to extend and receive forgiveness to my spouse and to those that have hurt me. And the power of resurrection is a supernatural power that will enable me to do everything that God wants me to be to my spouse because Christ in me is the hope of glory. I will continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting with the winds of our culture from the hope that is in the gospel that we have this morning. This is my hope. This will save my marriage. I will walk through the process of the gospel every day for the rest of my life. I preach the gospel to myself every day. And I'm going to trust that God will do in me what I could never do in my own strength. And my question is, do you believe this? Do you believe it? Can you count on it? Can you trust in it? Will you trust Him? Galatians says the only thing that matters is faith working itself out. Through love. That's it. That's how we apply every passage of Scripture in every lesson. By faith, working itself out through love. And, and so as we do this, we can live out this conviction by trusting God to massage it into our marriages and our relationships from this day forward. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much for the miracle of the gospel. Oh, Lord, we just can't imagine what it would be like to try to live our lives, to try to carry out our marriages without the hope that we have in Jesus, in His death, His resurrection, power. We thank You, Jesus, that You're closer to us than the blood that courses through our veins and that You can do in us and through us anything that You want to do. And I pray for those, Lord, right now who may have been kicking the tires of Christianity, wondering if this makes sense, wondering if, if, if this is true. And I pray that right now in this moment, if there's anyone in this room that has not made a full commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that you will convince them in their heart through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that these, true, these, these points and these, this message today is true. And that they would submit fully to your lordship and to following you in obedience to your commands and the fellowship and service of your church. And for those of us who are struggling today and for those who may be having difficulties in their marriage, I pray that you'd give us hope, Father. Hope that you can do what we cannot do. 
You can do a miracle. Give us steadfastness. Give us commitment. Give us conviction. Give us dedication. In your name we pray. Amen.